0: The Free For All Roundtable. Round two.
1: Let's say good morning to our panelists. Sunira Chaudhry is here, employment lawyer at Workley Law. Uh, Robert Benzie, Queens Park Bureau Chief at the Toronto Star. Richard Krause, fresh off of TIFF, host of the podcast Last Call with Richard Krause. Um, Robert, let's start with you actually on this one because it happened on your um territory uh, you are the queens park bureau chief and olivia chow went to queens park yesterday to meet doug ford and honestly i don't think it's an exaggeration to say it looked like a love-in
0: no there was a genuine warmth john between these two leaders that have a long and complicated history remember they ran against one another in 2014 for toronto mayor and, and lost to john Tory. Um, and during the recent mayoral by election, Mr. Ford had campaigned for Mark Saunders and had, you know, expressed concern about about a quote unquote lefty like Chow winning. <laughs> but that, all of that was bygones. Uh, yesterday, I, it was there was there was a genuinely um, heartwarming moment when he presented her with a photograph. Of his late brother, uh, commemorating the statue to her late husband Jack Layton. Um, so, it was, and and and, and Chow was genuinely touched by that. It was I was in the room, and and she she kind of she didn't it didn't say it to the microphone, but we could hear it. Uh, she said, "You're you're trying to make me cry." Uh, you know, it was a really it was a nice moment. It was also a reminder of speaking to folks in the premier's office about this that these two have a lot in common. That they both are from Toronto. They both understand the challenges that this city has. And I think it was a good sign that it was that the, that the relationship is off to a good start. They have this working group to look for a new deal for the city. Doesn't mean that Mayor Chow is going to get everything that she wants or that the city may need. But it's certainly an indication that there's a, there's a dialogue that's coming. And that's good for all Torontonians, I think. And Richard
1: Krause, it's I find reassuring. You would think that Doug Ford would naturally pick a fight with the federal liberals and with the socialist mayor of Toronto. But <laughs> he'd rather just get along. Yeah, and I think it's time. I think it's time. As he said,
2: Toronto's deep financial challenges are no longer uh, sustainable. Uh, So it is time for uh, all levels of government to put aside whatever petty uh, little arguments and things that they've had in the past uh, and move forward as a united front. A strong Toronto uh, means a strong Ontario, uh, a strong Toronto, uh, Canada's biggest city, uh, is a showcase for the rest of the country. We need to uh, really reverse some of the trends of the last couple of years and and find a way to move forward. And the only way to do that is having all three levels of government working in tandem uh, and and uh, creating a, a sense of cooperation and, uh, you know, wh- whatever
1: else it takes to make sure that this city stays healthy. Sonari, your thoughts. And I thought that, you know, Doug Ford, it was the Doug Ford that I like who showed up yesterday.
3: It was definitely refreshing, John, but I I think also very strategic. I mean, uh, Doug Ford has a lot on the go with revamping Ontario Place, the Science Centre, Olivia Chow now, um, Mayor Chow now having to deal with the World Cup coming to the city of Toronto as well. And so there's only so long that uh, Premier Ford can actually um, turn uh, sort of a, a shoulder to Toronto. I, I echo what um, what Richard was was talking about. I mean, Toronto's the global city of of Canada, and I think certainly a Premier Ford sort of investing in Toronto is going to be a legacy maker for him. So it's not only is it refreshing, but it's certainly strategic.
1: Okay, so let's turn to uh, Thomas Caldwell, who is uh, a businessman, he's actually chairman of Caldwell Investment Management Limited, former governor of the Toronto Stock Exchange, took out a full-page ad in the Globe and Mail that I saw on the weekend. And I've never been a particular fan of the Caldwell family, to be perfectly honest, so I kind of ignored it. But now everyone's talking about it. So I'll start with um, Richard Krause on this one. He asserts that this is a declining city. I would certainly say that Toronto has its problems, but I Mm -hmm. still think this is a thriving city. Well, if you look at the amount of construction that's
2: happening in the city, if you look uh, from you know a, an arts point of view, which is my purview, um, it's a it's an incredibly thriving city. If you look at the success of TIFF against all odds uh, this year, considering the writer's strike and the sag after strike uh, and the huge success that was, there's a lot happening here. Um, uh, on the other hand, it is easy uh, to walk down the street and say, you know what, things aren't. What they used to be here. When you walk down uh, Young Street from where I live down to Queen Street, which used to be uh, a thriving uh, strip on Young Street where you had uh, small businesses up, you know, sort of from north of college to Bloor. There were a lot of small businesses. It gets a little uh, more uh, name brand as you go south down to the Eaton Center. But uh, storefronts were all full. There was uh, lots of foot traffic. You walk down there now and it's empty buildings and it's it, it feels derelict in a lot of ways. And to me, I walk around the city and I realize like this isn't the city of the 1980s and the 1990s or the 2010s the pandemic had something to do with that but also now our newfound interest all of a sudden after years of inactivity uh is trying to figure out how do we improve the subway how do we get more businesses and buildings and affordable housing downtown so it's all kind of happening at the same time and I think that it 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 makes the city feel different and Certainly for uh, this guy's uh, opinion, uh, like it's in decline. I would disagree. It is a tough city to live in sometimes. But cities are tough to live in, generally speaking. So, um, you know, I I just think we have to just keep moving forward. And once they're done building it, Toronto is going to be a
1: great city again. Sunara, maybe my uh, my jaundiced approach to this ad springs from the fact that I don't think the solutions Thomas Caldwell would support are the solutions that necessarily are going to make this city better. so it came across as grumpy old rich guy is unhappy about things.
3: Yeah, I, I think it probably didn't come across as as relatable. You know, I, th- I think uh, part of this ad was, oh, I how, you know, I dare walk along in a suit and tie. And that's probably why he attracted the negative attention he did. Um, so I don't know how relatable that is. But, you know, I live in the heart of the city, John, I walk to work every day. um my team is in Office every day. I, I do, you know, I, I see how busy um the streets are on Young Street and Bay Street, people walking into work. You could see the difference between a Monday and a Tuesday, where Monday feels sometimes a bit more like a trickle, and Tuesday is 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 way busier and, and more robust. But we, we're certainly in this hybrid, sort of hump like um commute uh back into the city. We're not at full strength five days of the week, that's for sure and i think the, the call to action here is if you want a thriving city where people are patronizing the businesses in the city hanging around after work to go to dinner and and take in a concert we've got to get more people back into work five days a week it's it's a tough potentially an a, an unpopular sort of position to take but i'm back in the office five days a week and i think more people need to be too
1: okay robert benzi your thoughts
0: I, I agree totally with Sonera and Richard on this. Uh, a lot of the, the, the alleged decline in the city is because there aren't enough people walking around, especially Mondays and Fridays. I mean, This idea that that the pandemic reality is going to stay with us forever just is just seems very strange to me. I mean, I understand why people want to work from home. I get that. There's some days that I prefer to work from home. But I I was lucky during the pandemic. I my office was always open. Queens Park is an essential workplace. So I had a place to go every day. So I, I think that's made me more sane than some other folks, I think, who've been sitting around their house too much. But I think. Uh, I'll never criticize anyone for taking out full-page newspaper ads. Um, So, uh, so, (laughs) Mr. Caldwell, thank you for that. But I I do think uh, that the Premier and the Mayor were very – I thought that their comments about that ad yesterday, both saying, look, there are challenges for sure, but the city is not in decline. I agree with them. The city isn't in decline. What the city is is experiencing right now is growing pains, and I think those growing pains are going to see a a, a city that needs to be better funded – and it's also going to, but, but it's also tantamount on on all of us as as citizens of the city to do our bit to show up to things. To Richard's point, go to go to the theater, to go to f- movies, to to go to cafes and restaurants. And Senira, is right. Like like scenario, I I walk to work or I ride my bike to work. I'm fortunate in that way. I I understand people with a longer commute don't like that and 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 would would feel you know it, it's cumbersome for them. But At a certain point, if you want to live in the city, you have to live in the city and you have to be part of the city and do your bit for the city.
1: I want to take advantage of your specialized expertise, Richard Krauss, and ask you about Jan Wenner, uh, the guy who (laughs) founded uh, Rolling Stone and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has been fired from the board of directors of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Here's his crime. He wrote a book where he talks to great musicians in (laughs) rock and roll and asks them about, you know, how to analyze the history of rock and roll. And when he was asked, why didn't you, you you didn't speak to anybody. All the people you talked to were white men, no women, no black people. And he said, I wanted to talk to the articulate people. Now I've listened to the full interview and I get that there is a degree of subtlety to what he said, but I just can't believe how a guy who's made his life in rock and roll could do, could, could have said that and done that. Yeah, Jan Wenner has been a
2: character for a long time uh, who uh, has been outside of the counterculture that he very much had a hand in shaping when he created Rolling Stone magazine in the 1960s. As the magazine uh, continued to grow and prosper into uh, the you know 70s through into the 80s and the 90s, uh, a number of people have said, well, he became less interested uh, in the music other than the bands that he already championed and loved like the rolling stones and u two and people like that uh and more interested in selling volkswagen ads and so he's been on the corporate side of this for so long that i think that he lives in some kind of ivory tower that he is unable to um understand the the new uh sort of era of um the way publishing works and that he is no longer a tastemaker he is no longer the guy who is saying This band goes on the cover and if I put this band on the cover of my magazine, uh, they'll sell 3 million records automatically. That used to happen with Rolling Stone. I think he still thinks he has that kind of power and the kind of power to say idiotic things uh, like he did in this New York Times interview. Um, He's been asked to step down from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame forcibly. uh, And now I think we're going to start to see a real difference in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the inductees because he's been keeping people out that he had personal gripes against. So I'll be interested to see the next round and to see how many women... And black artists are included that have
1: been kept out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for decades because of him. And Robert Benzie, not a lot of time still on the clock. But I wonder if you feel that people were piling on to Jan Winter. These days, it's very easy to take one line out of an interview and insist that somebody said something. Although once I went through the interview, I thought he mostly did say those things.
0: Yeah, and I I agree with Richard. I mean, he's uh, he. He's a man of his time and his time has passed. I mean, Wenner is an important figure in the history of uh, pop culture in the 20th century, for sure. But we're in the 20th, 21st century now. And I, I used to read Rolling Stone. I don't anymore much. And I, I have a lot of compendiums of Rolling Stone articles that were very important. Uh, you know, Hunter S. Thompson, very famous journalists wrote for for Rolling Stone. And songs were written about, you know, the cover of the Rolling Stone. by Was mm-hmm. that Dr. Hook? Is that Dr. Hook? Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Hook. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but to, to Richard's point, it's he's, Wenner is, I think he's 77 or he something is. now. And I, I, and I read a biography of him a few years ago. Uh, called Sticky Fingers I think it was called mm-hmm. and he's he's not the most uh, sympathetic figure and that interview in the New York Times certainly reminded you of why he's not that sympathetic. He's really kind of out of touch with, with today's pop culture.
1: Thank you all, good to have you Richard Krauss and Aaron Chaudhry and Robert Benzie. Catch the Roundtable, Round 1 at 7.45 Round 2 at
0: 8.45 Weekday mornings on More in the Morning News Talk 1010 Toronto